You are listening to episode number 15 of the Mind Body Academy podcast with Sarah Rose. This isn't an NBA. This is the NBA. This is the place for you to get coached and make health and happiness the business of how you get ahead in life. You get coached. Coached. This is the startup of you. You get coached. And now, your coach, Sarah Rose. What's up, my friend? Have you been having a good day? What you waiting for? It's a good day to have a good day. So let's get to it because today is going to be good. <laughs> We're getting to talking about getting over past diet PTSD. What's that? <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, so this is what happens when you think you've tried a diet that didn't work or that you've tried some method to lose weight that wasn't quote unquote for you. It's post-traumatic stress disorder from previous attempts to make a change to your weight using a diet. And thinking about this got me curious about how many diets a person has tried on average in their lifetime. So I took the question to the Googles and some articles placed it at over 100, some closer to 50. But at the end of the day, I think it's fair to say that it's really difficult to pinpoint an accurate number, and there's going to be a lot of individual variability. What I do think it's fair to say is that, you know, eating plays such a big role in each of our lives, it's really the centerpiece, that at one point or another in a person's lifetime, we're led to examine what we eat. And how we eat. And the importance that we give to food. And this process of looking at the impact of our relationship to food on our lives can be really consuming. Like this obsessive fixation can set in for so many of us. And sometimes it's subtle. And other times it's it's right there. (laughs) It's like in your face every time you think about food. It's mealtime. It's just at the surface of each of your days. And because of that, it's something that leads so many people to have a lot of different beliefs bound up in the way that they're eating. And when people first come to me as clients, I hear a lot of the time the sense of feeling really fed up with diets. They don't believe in diets. They get emotional on diets. (laughs) all of that thinking comes up and you know a lot of clients do come to me because think yourself slim is not a diet I don't tell my clients what to eat but it's interesting because we get like these emotional spasms when we think about changes to our nutrition or dieting just triggers a lot of thoughts so Just to be clear, (laughs) when I say PTSD, I don't mean you actually have a disorder. What I'm getting at is that most people have a stress response to diets 
because of how they've experienced them in the past. And what is so important is to become aware and to get present to what comes up for you around the way that you eat and your experiences of dieting and eating in the past. Because the reason that a diet works for one person and not for the other has everything to do with the mentality that they bring to the diet. When we have a bad experience going through a diet, it's easy to transfer the blame over onto the diet and completely overlook the one doing the dieting, right? (laughs) When we change up our diets, everything that we go to food to avoid experiencing in our lives is going to come up. The doubt, (laughs) the insecurity, the fear of failure, especially just plain boredom. And it's going to feel like those emotions are being caused by the diet. But really, the emotions flow from the thoughts that you're having about the diet or about your life while being on the diet. So you're having to pay attention to your body and to what you're eating. And you're in this heightened state of awareness. So all of a sudden, when you feel triggered and you no longer have the option of going to food and overeating, what you're faced with and flooded with often are all of these emotions, all of these reasons beneath the surface that you're overeating in the first place. When we perceive the feelings to come from the diet, we feel totally disempowered. In our attempt to gain more control over our eating, We're giving the responsibility over to the diet. We're trusting the diet. Then it feels like the diet is breaking that trust because all of these emotions are coming up and it just ends up reinforcing how out of control we feel and the way we're able to manage our minds around what comes up for us is what ends up creating so much quitting. It's easy when all of those emotions come up to blame the diet, to say it's the diet that's bringing up all of these emotions and that it's just the diet that doesn't work. It creates a lot of fear to ever try again or to invest ourselves, not only our money, but our time, our energy, our self-esteem into doing something ever again each time we do this. But noticing that it's the thinking that's doing this and on the other side of believing that it's the diet's fault it brings up so much regret and frustration some shame too of having trusted that and it not working out as planned it's a lot of pent-up negative emotion from feeling victimized by the diet right all this anger and resentment towards the diet So you have a result that was created and you're attributing the result to the diet instead of to yourself. What's happening is that you think a circumstance caused your result. You're believing that the diet caused your thinking and your feelings and your experience when in fact you created your experience with your thinking. Really, what's important to understand is that a diet 
is just a way of eating. That's what it is. We don't experience the diet that way because we experience the diet through the lens of our thoughts and how we're thinking while we're on the diet, before going into the diet, after the diet, that determines the character of the experience, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Okay, so I know <laughs> that saying that it, this idea of being victimized by the diet can be triggering for some of you, but stay with me and let's explore this because I promise that this is the secret to losing weight without ever having to diet again. And let me just say that I know what it's like to have tried diet after diet after diet and be convinced that you're getting nowhere <laughs> because of the diets, that you're just faded to this yo-yo and this spiral and it all feels very out of control. But taking responsibility for everything, everything, everything is what set me free. It released me from the struggle with my weight. What the word diet brings up for a lot of people is something you are given, something that is prescribed to you rather than something that you have decided. And often we delegate responsibility for deciding over to a diet or over to somebody so that they give us a diet instead of deciding how we're going to eat and involving ourselves actively in that process of decision-making Instead, we say, tell me how I should be eating. Tell me what I shouldn't be eating. If you're relying on a diet to provide you with the exact nutrition you need, the exact amount of food that you should eat, when to eat it, and you don't have any input whatsoever into that decision-making, down the line, that's going to become an issue for you because you're relying on something external. So it becomes that external thing's responsibility. It becomes the diet's responsibility to get you the result. It makes you very inflexible, right? So that's why it can feel so disempowering when it seems like the diet's not working. Because then what? It's like this big letdown or a feeling of being deceived, so here's the thing, your past experiences with dieting got you to where you are now. And instead of looking ahead, most of you are driving forward with your eyes on the rear view mirror. So there's this illusion of forward momentum. But really, that's because you're expecting more of the same going forward. So there's this stuckness. You know, you're expecting more letdowns, more deception. You're creating more skepticism, more, 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 more. And the more the desire to lose the weight weighs heavy on you. But your past doesn't tell you about what, what you're going to do or where you're going to end up going. It just gives you information about where you've gone. And whether that's worked for you up until now or not. If you're using your past to gauge what's possible for you in the future, you're going to seek the road that you've traveled before 
what feels familiar and comfortable instead of the road less travel that evolves you and grows you you're going to experience the same thing over and over again so you're going to try a new diet that's flashy but it's really just more of the same you're going to choose a diet that involves a lot of restriction that feels hard all of that it's like same same but different and you're going to feel terrible doing it once that flashiness gets turns off and you're going to feel like you need relief from the diet because you're flaming out that excitement and motivation isn't there anymore after a long day at work the willpower is not there anymore so any idle time like the weekend or late nights after work become these opportunities to get all sneaky with yourself and have these cheats just that word notice it so prevalent in the field of nutrition in the diet industry in the fitness industry and all of this it's like understand that the underpinning of that is a relationship so when you have these cheats soon enough that trust that you didn't even really have with yourself going into the diet anyway I don't know how I said that anyway. <laughs> well, that trust is broken. And it doesn't just cost you the result that you want. It's costing you the relationship that you have with yourself. And then what you're left with is you. And do you like yourself on the other side of giving up and coming up short of your own expectations? After it feels like you failed yourself again, that's a really difficult space to be in. And of course, that's going to feel like it's the diet's fault. And it's a road that leads straight back to food. When you break up with your diet, when you break that commitment, you're also breaking the belief that you put in yourself to be able to create the result. So there's some self-judgment there. And then there's the judgment and labeling of the diet as bad. All of those judgments push unconscious all of what's really going on there with you. Creates all of these missed opportunities to create understanding. The understanding that would allow you to be like, oh, I get why I am where I'm at right now. And I get what needs to happen for me to get to where I want to be. It creates these blocks. The moment you find yourself in self-judgment, you're pushing something into your blind spot. You're taking your eyes into the rearview mirror. A lot of letting go of your past diets is recognizing, okay, what have my patterns been up until now? Are they serving me? What were my thoughts going into some of the diets that I've tried in the past? Where was my mindset at? How did I approach diets? At what point did I go off the diet? Was I consistently on the diet? Because sometimes we're thinking about our experience of being on these different diets, but we were never really on the diet <laughs> because we had so many of those moments in the idle time where we had cheats. And so... I find it helpful to think about the diet cycle like dating. You're looking for that 
special diet that's going to do it for you. (laughs) And you think you found it. You get all gung-ho and excited. And you have that last hurrah with your friends and that last supper meal of just like enjoying where you're at and before throwing yourself into something that you're excited about but you feel like it's going to be a loss of freedom and then once the honeymoon phase of getting to know the diet what it's like to live with the diet all of that once that's passed you're left with these moments where you feel like the diet isn't really taking care of you and so you're disappointed in the diet The diet's coming up short of all of your expectations. You're blaming the diet for being so emotional and hangry all the time because you're making it the diet's job to take care of you and your emotional needs. (laughs) And what you're left with are a lot of urges, a lot of wandering eyes and temptations, right? Like, ooh, food. (laughs) If you're going to lose weight for the last time, You have to stop blaming the dating game with all these different diets, recognizing that there's this period of experimentation that you have to be actively involved in, in order to get to the point where you're ready to marry yourself to the way that you want to decide not only to eat, but to live your life. If you're going about trying to make a change from the place of giving something up, you're going to feel like you're missing out and that you're losing something. I promise you that there is a better way. (laughs) Think about it this way. When you're married, when you decide to get married, you give up dating other people, but you can feel happy about that and feel complete with the dating phase in your life. You can be grateful that you even had that time in your life for the good experiences and the bad because it created where you're at in your life ready to open up towards this new experience. And you can be grateful for the time that you had dating and be grateful that it's over. And it's that same way in your relationship to food. Which phase do you want to be at in your relationship to food. Commitment isn't always sexy, (laughs) but it's steady. And when it's strong, you can rely on it to figure anything out. It eliminates all the quitting and shortchanging yourself of valuing what you're capable of creating. So if you look at dieting as a way of eating You don't have to see it as something you're going to be taking away from yourself. It's just something that you're complete with. You're recognizing that you've had the experience, just like dating, and now you're choosing something new and different. You're not judging yourself or invalidating all the experiences that came before. Both are valid. You had the experience of eating whatever you want, which in many ways you enjoyed. And you can recognize that. And now you're opening up towards the experience of not doing that and finding enjoyment in that as well. Different kind of satisfaction. Maybe even better, right? Why not? So 
many of you, (laughs) what you're doing instead is throwing yourselves into dietary relationships with food where it feels like you're not really making a choice for you. It feels like a choice against you or in spite of you or in spite of what you feel. (laughs) That's why I love thinking about it like a relationship. Like we do this with people too. (laughs) Instead of gradually getting to know your body and what it needs and identifying what you need to be living with it for the rest of your life so you can have food that you look forward to eating and a relationship to food and meal times that feels good to you and adds to the enjoyment of your life and the aliveness of your life. Instead, you're overwhelming your body with these crash diets where you're eating a whole bunch of food that feels like you're eating rabbit food or just like a whole bunch of air. And then you're screaming at your body and like shaking it by the shoulders and saying, just love me and listen to me and take care of me and me, 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 me. It's just this desperate energy. (laughs) And I think we have to understand that impulse. You just have to look at what's driving the desperation. What's behind that? Really, it's a desire to love not only the skin you're in, to have that level of appreciation externally, but also internally for who you are beneath it. Most of us are just so much in a hurry to experience that love. And we're so used to thinking that it comes from the outside in that we're like ready to marry the next diet that we meet. (laughs) That's never a good idea. We're like throwing ourselves at this one and that one, going on blind dates with trying this random diet and looking for matchmakers to match us with the perfect diet. And that's not what I teach in Think Yourself Slim. For those of you who've gone through my program, you know that you get to know which foods work well for you and feel good in your body and are healthy by your standard and move you closer and closer toward not only your goal for weight loss, but having a relationship with food that will nourish you for the rest of your life. I don't give my clients a diet or a meal plan and there's a good reason for that. That's the reason. (laughs) I can't take into account someone's personal preferences but I can give them a process for uncovering that for themselves, which puts them in control of their decisions. At the end of the day, the love that you feel for yourself or for your life doesn't come from the diet. Just like we don't feel another person's love for us, right? Have you ever had the experience of somebody loving you or you loving them and that love not being reciprocated, we can't make someone feel our love. What determines our experience of love are our thoughts. Our thoughts create our loving feelings. So when we believe that a diet is not working for us, notice that it produces feelings of doubt and distrust, and a lot of feelings that don't feel like love. And when we think that that love might not be there, notice how we pull away. Notice how we indulge. 
notice how we have those cheats, how we disconnect from our bodies. And you can hate yourself slim. Just like you can force somebody into a relationship with you to a certain extent, but that will not create the result of a body you love and a body you trust, right? That will not create the result of somebody that you love and somebody that you trust. That will create the result of desperate. Desperate for the results. Desperate to feel good. So are you chasing something that will complicate your life and add lots of mind drama? Or are you making a choice that will enhance your life? That will leave you with that feeling of full more often. Recently, I was having a talk with a friend of mine who is basically allergic (laughs) to relationships. And I was like, look, I get it. I really do. Like probably over 90% of people think that getting into a relationship will result in a loss of freedom. They anticipate all of this dependency and deprivation Because most people rely on one another to take care of each other's emotional needs. And so there's this tendency to withhold love and attention in order to create the impression of control in a relationship. And there are all these expectations like they should make me feel loved and they should make me feel better about my shitty day at work. And it's the same way with our relationship to food. Instead of saying, I'm going to make myself feel good and loved. So when I show up for my meals, I just get to enjoy the experience of the food I'm eating. We're like eating as if we're a hot mess that needs to be picked up off the floor. And we're blaming what we are choosing to eat. (laughs) for how we feel or how we chose to eat for how we feel. It's not your diet's job to take care of you. Just like it's not somebody else's job to take care of you. And when that's the expectation, it creates what I call a deficit relationship. There's this undercurrent of lack and resentment and never enough. There's an attitude of expectancy. It often feels like something is being lost or could be lost at any moment. When you take care of you, you show everybody else how it's done and it feels hella good. And because you take responsibility for how you feel when you take your seat at the table or when you take your seat next to the person you love, the food you eat and who you share your meals with is just what makes life more delicious, more enjoyable. Because you're already taking care of the baseline. You're recognizing that how you feel your feelings is up to you. How you process them through doesn't depend on anybody else. When you look at it this way, you begin to see that you aren't really losing anything by taking the time. And it does take time to cultivate a relationship. In fact, you are adding in a lot of things when you're focused on it this way. 
in that way, you get to spin your attention onto all the experiences that you want to share. That's how you build a relationship. You're asking yourself, what do I want to experience more of? I want more experiences of my clothes fitting just right. I want more experiences of my towel wrapping around my body like a hug. (laughs) I want more experiences of being so focused on who I'm eating with that I forget all about the menu. I want more experiences of being in my body instead of in my head. I want to get to know what that feels like to live my life from there. When you love what you've chosen and you're aware of what you're choosing and you practice reaffirming that choice to yourself over and over again, that feels ridiculously good. It doesn't mean it's easy to make that choice always, but you build that trust and willingness with yourself to make those kind of choices because you're not so focused and worried about all that you could lose or all that you want to lose, all of that weight, the inches, all of that. You're able to recognize instead everything that you stand to gain. So one thing that I see happen with my clients is that because I equip them with a process to make decisions about how they're going to eat in a way that allows them to create any results that they want in their bodies, even if their circumstances change, they end up slowing themselves down at times because they're in a hurry. So they have a good thing going, they're seeing results and progress, and then they think, oh, okay, this is the the part where it's easy, it's going to get hard after a certain point. I want to see the weight come off even faster, and then they get all diety. I want you to catch yourself when you notice yourself, do this, and think of diety as clingy. (laughs) The moment we get needy like this and make it the diet's responsibility to create the result for us, we put a lot of pressure onto the relationship. It's a lot of strain on the relationship we have with ourselves, with our bodies, with our food. So let me give you an example of this. I have a client who just lost over 15 pounds. So that was about half of the way to her goal weight. And when she was showing up to her sessions, at one point she started to express to me that she was feeling like she was in a better place than she's ever been in for years. So she felt like maybe she was okay with not losing all the weight she had initially set out to lose and not creating her daily meal plans and eating more. That she's okay. She's like, I'm set, you know? So I said, okay, let's look at that. Are you comfortable staying at this weight or do you want me to coach you so you can get to your goal weight? What is it that you really want here? I want to lose my weight. Okay, I said to her. Notice how we get comfortable like this sometimes. Just like in the dating world. We meet someone that we actually really like. And it's been fun and we've enjoyed making our mindful meal plans every day. But then as we look to the future, we start looking to our past to decide what it's going to be like with this person or with this way of eating. 
(laughs) We start getting all serious and we take all the fun out of what we've been doing. So we get kind of complacent and comfortable with it just being what it is. Don't want to put a label on it. Not ready to take those next steps. Not ready to really commit all the way, even if it's what we want, even if it's been working for us because we anticipate that things are going to get really hard if we do. And who wants to get on board with hard and miserable and suffering? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody, that's who. Nobody wants to give up their comforts. So it ends up creating a backslide in the relationship that we have with ourselves and in our follow through because there's just this sense of dread that sets in because we're defining our relationship to the ultimate result that we want from our past relationship mentality with the past diet mentality that we had. We think that's how it's going to be because it was like that in the past. We're not considering that there can be another way. So we're not looking for that other way. It seems like we're going to have to suffer to get what we want. And so we start to question, do I really want to suffer to get what I want? Is it worth it? But what if all of that is not true? What if you could lose weight without suffering? Not just some weight, all of it. Because the truth is you can. I know it because I lived it and I am living it. I know that the struggle is optional. I also know (laughs) that it does not feel optional. And here's why. You're pulling from your past So you're just recycling thoughts. And because you've experienced it before, it feels real. It feels like because it happened before, it will happen again. It feels probable. It takes way more brain power to use your imagination to create the future that you want, that you've never experienced before. Your brain will always take you back to what you know to what feels certain and comfortable and safe. So when I say, what would it look like to lose all your weight and not have to struggle? Most of you would say, I don't know. And that's a huge blind spot. And that's what's creating the struggle. So where are you planning your future from? Are you planning it from your past and all the diets that didn't really work for you, maybe worked up until a point? (laughs) Or are you creating your future from your imagination, from a place of possibility? If you're pulling from your past, you'll bring all those same patterns that haven't served you in creating what you want into your relationships with food and everything else. Getting diety or clingy may feel like it worked in the past, but it never lasts. But because you think it worked, it worked for a time, you try to repeat it now. Instead of being deliberate, clear, and giving yourself your own time, time to be more fully present to what you actually want, You're in a hurry, so you give up the relationship to get the result. 
and you can't sustain the, re- the result without the relationship. Plus, it's super unpleasant. <laughs> That's why it's not sustainable. At one point, you're like, it's been great, but I'm out. People who don't struggle with their weight do not spend their time thinking about their quote-unquote diet. They focus on eating foods that feel good as a way of life. They're not overthinking every food decision all the time or obsessing about how or when or how much to eat. You cannot get to that place (laughs) by training in a diet mentality, one that's restrictive and punitive. You have to ask yourself who you want to be in your relationship to food and then go about being that now. You don't have to wait for the result to show up. This is about the attitude that you bring to how you consume food. Nobody likes to feel like they're on a diet all the time. It makes them feel trapped. There's no freedom on the other side of that. Not, that's not a relationship that you want to get into. Why? <laughs> because, because you think it worked, you're not busy for looking for what actually worked or what's actually going to work rather not just for the short term, but for the long term. I am someone who doesn't struggle with their weight. What do you think it's going to take to get there for you to be able to say that to yourself, to claim that for yourself? I'll tell you this much. (laughs) It's not another diet. If diets were amazing, you would have held on to them. <laughs> we don't let go of what works. You would have been like, baby, I need you in my life. <laughs> Not just now, but forever. Not like, ugh, can't wait for this to be over. That's why we're always breaking up with our diets. And it's this cycle. So we need to break out of past diet PTSD. Part of that is looking to your past as your teacher rather than a crystal ball? Were there parts of what you tried in the past that you enjoyed, that worked for you, that felt good, that you want to experience more of? Most of you are looking to the past like a crystal ball and telling yourselves, well, this is going to be awful. I want this, but it's going to be awful. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and then you don't even realize how you make it awful because you're already experiencing that future now and how you're imagining it. And so it's affecting how you show up and you know, you're showing up in all the ways you did in the past that ultimately made you feel awful. So you're showing up with all this fear and insecurity and dread and notice that kind of actions that you're taking from this place You need to recognize those emotions and say, thank you for your concern, but now I'm clear on what I want and what I don't want. So I can recognize all of that and change my approach so that I can have a lot to look forward to. I don't have to be so afraid. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to take care of myself on the other side of what happens no matter what. And I'm going to figure it out 
and I'm going to find something that's going to work for me. I'm going to keep going. Most of you are going into a new way of eating like it's going to be the same experience as your last way of eating, as your last diet. Instead of going into it as possibly the way that you're going to be eating for the rest of your life. That you want to keep eating for the rest of your life. So y'all need to stop doing that. You're depriving yourself of so much goodness when you do that. Timid commitment creates timid results. And I know you're done hiding. There's been enough of that. You can say that was then, this is now. When you hide in order to play it safe, it's a false refuge because you're also hiding from the result. If you aren't willing to risk anything, then you aren't entitled to what you want. I'm going to repeat that because I've had to repeat that to myself. And I think we're in a culture that is so in a hurry and speeded up that we miss this. We're so unwilling to try, try, and try again until we get to where we want to be because we failed in the past that we don't take action towards what we actually want. If you aren't willing to risk anything, then you aren't entitled to what you want. So I really want you to get that the only way you're going to get to where you want to be is to challenge and change the way that you've been thinking in the past. That's the thinking that got you to where you are now. And if you like where you are now, then fine. (laughs) But my guess is that there's some thinking there that's worth looking at and understanding and then asking yourself if that's serving you. Starting another diet, taking a whole bunch of new action, isn't what changes your result. I know most people think that, but that's not what gets you the result of losing some weight. Changing your thinking is what changes the nature of your commitment, which determines not only the type of action you take, but the quality of that action and the consistency. And that doesn't just create change. It creates transformation. When you change your thinking, when you think different, you become one of the crazy ones. One of the crazy ones who believed they could change not only their body, but their life. And who did? So ask yourself, how are you going to think different this time? What are you going to do differently? If you're ready to stop dieting and to stop believing that you have to diet in order to lose weight, if you're ready to let that belief go, just let it go, (laughs) then I hope you'll join me and think yourself slim. Enrollment just closed for this month of March, but spots will open up for you in April. So I want you to think about that future you that you, that you have to be crazy enough to dream up for yourself. The past will only get you more of the same, and I know that you're ready for that new you. My hope for you is that you spend more time dreaming than you do sleeping, and I want your waking thoughts to be filled with your dreams for your life instead of thoughts of food. 
So if you want to lose weight, it's time to break up with dieting and get back into vivid and nourishing relationship with yourself. You need you more than anyone else. So that's what I have for you this week. I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for being an awesome listener of the podcast. Your health is your number one wealth asset. And your body is the vehicle for you to make that contribution you want to make to the world. Step into a vision of success that includes health and happiness by joining my one-on-one coaching program where you'll work directly with me in Think Yourself Slim to do just that. Or be part of the conversation in the Genius Body community over on Facebook. Let's start a transformation today.